is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on the reading of your word. And dear Lord, as I speak on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak on the inside. Draw us to the cross today. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would give our lives to you. I pray that this way of the cross would lead us to a life change. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's probably no more recognizable symbol of Christianity than the cross. Most every church has at least one cross, either sitting on top of it or attached to the side of the building. People wear crosses as jewelry around their necks. Many of you may have crosses as decorations in your home. You see it hanging on the rear view mirror of a whole lot of cars. When I go out and shoot cowboy action, I have a pair of boots that has a cross on the front of them. My lands, people even have tattooed their bodies with crosses. The fact is, however, we look at the cross totally differently today than they did in the first century. For people in New Testament days, the cross was not a decoration. The cross was a horrible symbol. To have displayed it the way we display it today would have caused people in the first century to shudder. The cross was an instrument of capital punishment like an electric chair is today. Only it was much more gruesome and a whole lot more humiliating. So suppose we had an electric chair mounted to the top of our church. Wouldn't that be strange, huh? Wouldn't it be strange to walk up to someone who had a 14-karat gold electric chair hanging from their neck? Yeah, sure it would be. But that is much closer to the meaning the cross had in the first century. So what I want to have happen over the next few weeks is for us to get closer to the true meaning of the cross and specifically what I'm calling the way of the cross. For you see, church, the way of the cross is God's way to bring about deep spiritual change in a person's life. Four things I want you to pick up on from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And the first is the assignment. Verse 17, Paul said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, or as one translation says, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Now what Paul is saying here is this, My calling was to make sure you get the message of the gospel right. There was a big to-do in, in Corinth about who baptized who. And if you were a believer, kind of a, a big praise point for you is if a certain minister baptized you. And so there was all this shuttling around about who baptized who. Paul said, that's not why I came. I didn't come to your church to baptize people. I came to your church to preach the gospel. That is, I want you to make sure that you get the message of the gospel right. For you see, if we're wrong on the gospel, 
we will be wrong on just about everything else in the Christian life. If we're right on the gospel, it leads the way to a right understanding on just about every other doctrine or teaching that is found in the Word of God. So the assignment for Paul and for the church today is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Our assignment is to proclaim the gospel. But we are not to fulfill this assignment in just any old way we want to. For we could share the gospel in a way that would actually empty the cross and make it nothing. So he said, preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom. Now, this could include anything that we rely on to bring about change in a person's life that does not include the Lord or the way of the cross. And if you haven't figured it out yet, people always try to figure out how they can make their life work without God and without the Word of God. And it's amazing to me, but that's what people in the world are trying to do. They know there is more to life than what they just have. And they're searching for something and looking for something. And they try to make life work, but they don't want God. They don't want the boundaries of the Bible. And so they're searching for all these answers, but they're looking in all the wrong places. A few years ago, the actor Chad Allen played Nate Saint in the movie The End of the Spear. This particular movie told the powerful story involving the martyrdom of some Christian missionaries, including Nate Saint and Jim Elliott back in the 1950s. The film was produced by a Christian organization, but they drew some big-time heat when they chose Chad Allen to play the leading role of uh, Nate Saint. Uh, first of all, they found out after they hired him and started feeling, filming that, that he was actually a homosexual. But the bigger blunt came when they began to understand Chad Allen's philosophy for what makes life work for him. And I use this as an example this morning of what the Bible calls human words of wisdom. This is human wisdom. In an interview with Larry King, Allen said, I have a deep relationship with God of my understanding. And that's what he called it, God of my understanding. It's very powerful, and it's taken its own shape and form. He went on to say, these days I judge all of my actions by my relationship with God of my understanding. It's a deep-founded, faith-based belief in God based upon the work that I have done growing up as a Catholic boy and then reaching out to Buddhist philosophy and then Hindu philosophy and then to Native American beliefs. And finally, as I got through my course with addiction and alcoholism, and finding a higher power that worked for me. Those are words of human wisdom. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of one man trying desperately to find a religious system to fit his own personal beliefs. And again, this is nothing new. But it seems like it's snowballing in our world today. 
people know there's something more to life than what they have, and so they're searching for something that is deeper. But instead of going after the real truth, which is God and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and living life through the boundaries of the Bible, they pick up bits and pieces of other religions and form them to have a convenient religion of their own so that they can put a stamp of approval on their own life and feel good about the way they live. You know what? These are words of human wisdom. And these words of human wisdom can very easily get mixed in to people's religion. And that's why Paul is saying, when I preach, I want to be very careful not to give you my own personal opinion about what makes life work. But rather, I want you to see the way of the cross. God's revelation of what makes life work. I realized halfway through uh, preaching this at 9 o'clock during the first service, I realized, you know, this is not very popular. <laughs> yeah, preaching a message like this is not popular. Not at all in our world. And you know what? It's becoming less popular in our churches. But it's the truth. And Kavanaugh Church, listen to me. We must never bend or give in or water down or compromise the truth of the way of the cross. We must always preach the way of the cross. Well, so what is the way of the cross? Well, in verse 18, Paul calls it the message. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This message of the cross is literally the word, the logos of the cross. It is the word used in other places to describe all of the revelation of God found in the entire Bible, that is, in Holy Scripture. So there is a sense in which when Paul is talking about the message of the cross, he is really referring to the wisdom of God that is found in all of God's Word. For you see, even the Old Testament contains the groundwork and the history of God's great plan of redemption, which culminated in the cross when His Son Jesus Christ bore His sin for our redemption. The message of the cross is another way of saying the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This message of the cross was really needed in the church at Corinth. Why? Because they had lost focus. They were looking at, at human personalities to find their own spiritual life. They were so caught up in comparisons and, and infighting that they lost focus on the true meaning of life, and that is the way of the cross. And let me tell you something. If it was needed in the church at Corinth, it is much more needed in the churches of America today. Because the word of the cross is the way, the only way to deep spiritual change. And I cannot overemphasize that statement. The cross is the only way to have deep spiritual change in your life. 
Now, the message of the cross includes a couple of things. Understand it, it includes the historical fact of the cross. And we must be careful to accurately communicate the historical facts of the gospel. What are the historical facts of the gospel? Number one, God became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God. He became man. He was all man, all God, while He was on planet Earth. Secondly, Jesus Christ was crucified and raised in order to provide man's forgiveness from sin and entrance into heaven for all eternity. Those are the historical facts of the gospel. Back years ago, I, I had a sermon that I preached about the, the life and ministry of Jesus. And I, I said, he was born of a virgin. He lived a virtuous life. He died a vicarious death. And he had a victorious resurrection. Those are the historical facts of the gospel. And we need to understand that mentally, perceive it spiritually, and continue to teach it in our modern world. But the message of the cross is more than just historical facts. There is a spiritual force behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Think of this, church that God-man, Jesus Christ, died on a Roman instrument of torture, just like a common criminal. But He did so to change our life and to change our future. For every person who would ever be born, He provided God's way of salvation. And that way of salvation went right through the cross. This plan of God leaves no room for man's goodness. You can't do anything to earn it because our righteousness is as filthy rags. It condemns our pride and our attainment. We can only go humbly before the cross and beg God for His forgiveness. Now folks, this is a radical force. The power of the cross is a radical force. You think, what a strange way for God to change the world. What a strange way for God to provide salvation. What a strange way for God to change your life. But the way of the cross is the only way that man's sins and God's holiness could be reconciled. Only the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power and the force to overcome the grave sin problem that we all face and have. So, we have to be clear when we communicate the message of the cross. Because it is a powerful force. Its force and its power is in and of itself. Therefore, church, it doesn't have to be packaged with human words of wisdom. It's power in and of itself. We don't have to compromise it. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to pretty it up and package it so we can sell it to the world. It's God's power. And it can change lives. You know what? They, here's the big turning point. When you come to the cross, when you hear a message like I'm preaching today about the cross, there has to be a response. You can't stay neutral at the cross. And that's what he talks about in verse 18. There is foolishness and there is power. It's our response. You see, you and I as sinful humans 
are on this collision course with God. Just like the two members of the cross, the horizontal and the vertical, they collide. And the force of that collision shatters all of our righteousness. The cross is basically God saying, your righteousness is not enough to save you. My righteous son will die for your sins to pay the price for your redemption. And people respond in different ways when they get to that intersection. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, a straightforward preaching of the message of the gospel will be met with two different responses. First of all, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. The word foolishness is the Greek word from which we get our English word moron. Some people hear the message of the cross and they say, that's stupid. That's dumb. They hear the message of the cross and God's salvation and they say, how could any intelligent human being believe something as simple and as stupid as that? And because of that, Paul says they are perishing. In fact, they are already perishing. That is, they are already on the road to eternal destruction. And one day that journey will reach its destination in hell, but they're already on the road. And my friends, it is only the power of God that can interrupt that awful chain of events. Oh, you may remember not too awful long ago, all of Europe and the Middle East were in a tremendous uproar and riots over the depicting of Muhammad in a series of Danish cartoons. The reason this was so controversial to many Muslims is a perfect example of the difference between the wisdom of humans found in religions like Islam and the wisdom of God found in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For you see, for Muhammad to make life work for his followers, he must be honored and exalted and nothing negative can be attached to his name. On the other hand, for Jesus to make life work for his followers, he had to be insulted, beaten, and ridiculed, and die. If Christ had not been mistreated as we see him being mistreated in the Gospels, redemption would have never happened for mankind. For Jesus to accomplish the work of redemption required that He experience the shameful treatment of the cross and crucifixion. The Bible says He was despised and rejected of men. In fact, people hid their faces from Him. Jesus endured this unbelievable suffering at the hands of His enemies and he never tried to defend himself. Now, Muhammad would have never been treated like this. In fact, the Muslims do not believe that Jesus was even treated this way. The message of the cross 
is foolishness to them. Do you hear me? The message of the cross is foolishness to them. They say the Bible is wrong at this point, that Allah would have saved Jesus from crucifixion. In fact, there are some Muslims who even boast, we honor Jesus more than you Christians do. We refuse to believe that God would permit him to suffer death on a cross. And there, my friends, you see the difference between the wisdom of men and the wisdom of God displayed on the cross. Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to endure the cross because that was God's way of dealing with our sin problem. But yet to the world it doesn't make sense. To the, to the world, that is, to the religions of the world, that's foolishness. That your God would die on a cross? That's foolishness. Beyond that, in our media and in our entertainment industry, the message of the cross is foolishness. To the point that we are ridiculed for believing in Jesus, the Bible, and the message of the cross. But here's the deal. Paul said it bluntly. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. But, it's power to those who are being saved. Those of us who are being saved know better. We know it's not foolishness. And yes, it, it hurts me as a believer to see the, the name of my Savior, Bud, and ridicule. And yes, it irritates me to hear a secular media and entertainment industry use us as the, the brunt of their jokes. But my Jesus is bigger than that. I, I see the big picture. I understand the, the real story. It is power. It is the power of God. Not only to transform my life now, but it is the power of God to save for all of eternity. Now all of this is built upon the promise. And that's found in verse 19. Paul started that by saying, For it is written... This literally means it stands permanently written. And Paul goes on to quote the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. This reference connects us back to a time when the people of God were not relying on God's power, but on their own wisdom. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This promise of God is this, Man's wisdom will fail. God's wisdom will prevail. This prophecy and promise will ultimately be fulfilled in the last days when at the return of Jesus Christ, God will sweep away all the objections and plans that humans in their wisdom have devised to make life work for them. And on that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you know what? There's a very real application in this promise for us and to fight our own battles and do that in our own strength. Because sometimes that just makes sense to us, doesn't it? 
But the message of the cross is, is not just the promise that God has provided a way other than human solutions to solve our sin problem. It is the signal to us that the way of the cross is the only way to make life work. That's power for us today. Because it, it, I'm serious. I, it doesn't matter what problem you have today. The power of the cross can conquer that problem. Angie said it. We get our eyes so focused on the right here and the right now, the problems that we're facing every day, the ups and the downs, the difficulties, our financial problems, our relationship problems, problems with kids, problems with in-laws, problems at work, problems with our car, whatever it is. And we're so focused on that that we forget our victory is in the cross. Our victory is in Jesus. And when we focus on Him, we find true meaning in life. And everything else takes its perspective. And I'm here to tell you, you can have that victory today. Your life can start making sense. Life will begin working for you today when you come to the cross of Jesus Christ. You can look at God's offer of eternal life, the full and meaningful life that He gives, and you can think, you know, this just can't work. You mean all i got to do is trust God? There's, there's got to be more to it than that. It's the way of the cross. You trust His Son. You give your life to Him. We, we say it like this here at Kavanaugh Church. It's as simple as B.C. A, admit that you're a sinner and you can't do it on your own. You don't have the answers. B, believe that Jesus died for you and He does have the answers. And C, not only confess your sins to Him, but confess Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And life will begin to make sense. I'm going to ask the